Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Here on WrestleRant Radio for November 5th, 2020, Graham Jesus and Matthews, as always, being joined here by the one, the only, the illustrious Mr. Marcel. Mr. Marcel, welcome back to WrestleRant Radio. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well. We had a pretty good week of wrestling, I would say, to kind of break down here on the show between Raw, Dynamite, NXT. I know you didn't, weren't really feeling the Wednesday night shows. We'll be getting into that, which makes her some nice debate. Because I enjoyed the shows. I know you didn't enjoy, uh, enjoy them as much as I did. But we also have a preview coming up for AEW Full Gear on Saturday night. There's a lot to look forward to right now. we got Survivor Series coming up later this month. Um, I feel like there's one more event I'm not thinking of. But it seems like there's a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks, at least, in the wrestling world. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't. Eh, usually they do a takeover, but obviously with the Halloween Havoc show, I, I doubt they're going to do something that that quick of a turnaround. But uh, full gear should be pretty good on Saturday, and I, I guess Survivor Series will be good as well. I'm not. I'm kind of done with the brand supremacy stuff, but I guess we'll see. I guess we will see, and I think you mentioned the takeover stuff too, real quickly. I just wanted to say that I think there is a takeover tentatively scheduled for early December, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they haven't announced that yet outright. I mean, they didn't announce TakeOver 31 until like two weeks before, so um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened again. But I think they are planning to do a TakeOver in early December, which would, I think, be the first December TakeOver since TakeOver London five years ago that we watched together. So we'll see. We'll see, which uh, could be the War Games show. I'm not sure if they could do that inside the CWC. We'll find out in due time. But this is WrestleRant Radio. You can check out new episodes every single week on Thursdays on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean, as well as on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com. You can find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant and RJ on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. So we're going to get right into it here with Monday Night Raw for Monday. We're going to work our way towards NXT and then Dynamite. And then finish off with the full gear predictions for Saturday night. A show I'm very much looking forward to, actually. Probably even more so than Double or Nothing earlier this year, all out a couple of months ago. I think full gear has the potential to be a great show, but we'll end with the great and start with the not so great. That being Raw for Monday. Now, we've gone on these Raw tangents before, Mr. Marceau, about how dull and abysmal, mediocre the show has been for several months now. And unfortunately, I'm here to report that Monday's show was no exception. Another dull episode of the show. The three hours felt like they lasted five hours. Um, we're not going to go through every each and every single segment and match, but just kind of on the whole here, we may not even spend too long on this review, just because there really is not a lot to talk about for Monday night. But we did have the return of the guitar on a pole match between Elias and Jeff Hardy. A match I think we got about a year and a half ago. I want to say I think we had the same exact match on Raw with Elias and Jeff Jarrett right after the Rumble last year. I might be mistaken, but they brought back the gimmick for this week's Raw. Jeff Hardy beating Elias. Is this the end of the feud, Mr. Marceau? I hope so. I, I was kind of hoping it would be pretty decent. They started off a little like a decent start to a feud, but at this point I'm just kind of over it. I mean, I like Elias, but I just, I, there's just too much There's too much stop and go pushing with him that I just, at this point, just don't care about the guy. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I like Elias, though. I am still a fan of his, but I just don't think... I mean, as a temporary you know, mid-card feud, I think it was fine. It doesn't do a lot of guy, either guy, you know, a lot of favors, either guy, a lot of favors whatsoever. Um, Hardy's probably on to bigger and better things. I could see maybe one more match that Elias wins on Raw, because the guy never, he has yet to beat Hardy one-on-one via pinfall or submission. He won the initial match via disqualification back at Hell in the Cell, and he lost here, so. They're obviously just doing this to plug his, you know, current album that came out a couple of weeks ago, which is fine, but um, it just kind of sort of exists at this point. A lot like the women's tag team division. We had a WWE Women's Tag Team title match on Monday night, pitting uh, Shayna and Nia against the duo of Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, Baszler and Jax, coming out victorious to retain the titles. This division is dead in the water, brother. I really don't know much more. I, I don't really know what more to say about it at this point. 
Yeah, I, I, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago. I just, at this point, just get rid of the belts. Um, it was nice when it lasted. Right at first, it seemed like a good idea. The way that they booked it and done it, it's just been an absolute disaster. So, um, they just, it's a lot, at this point, it's a lot of makeshift teams and the belts just mean absolutely nothing. So, at this point, I, I would just get rid of the belts. Um, the whole Raw tag team women's division, just the women's division in general, has been just kind of suspect lately. I, I'm not a big fan of the whole we're going to team at Survivor Series, but they have like a ton of dissension before. That's the same with the men's with the men's Survivor Series team from Raw. Like we're on the same team, but they're just going to fight the whole like with each other the whole time before the match. I just I think it's so dumb. It just doesn't make sense. Like we're going to team together against SmackDown, but we hate each other on Raw, so they just like go back and forth on each other and just I don't know, it's just not interesting at all. It's like we're we're fighting for brand supremacy, but they can't get along with them, with each other. It just like uh, this. That's a, I think that's the one thing about Raw just like really annoyed me. It was just like their face, the women face each other. They're like all mad at each other. Lana comes out and they all like hate Lana, but then she gets involved. And then with the men, they kind of just had a match, and they just after that they just all like beat the shit out of each other, which is just stupid. So you're telling me that you weren't invested in the Nia Jax Lana match in Monday's Raw, and the fact that Nia competed twice on the same show? I, I Nia Jax is terrible, and so is Lana. I don't get that they think that since she's getting plummeted through. T- through tables every week people are actually going to care she's just not good in the ring you haven't booked her seriously for the last three, two or three years when she has actually I don't want to say she was popular but the crowd was at least behind her a little bit but she just sucks in the ring and I just don't care about her Nia Jax is terrible as well um, I like Mandy and Shayna Dana Brooks just kind of Dana Brooke at this point <laughs> I mean I don't have anything against her she's not that good either but I guess she's more bearable than the other two but I just don't really give a shit about the Raw Women's Division this time. They just don't, they're just not doing anything correctly. Asuka's not even on the show. They did that stupid, like, WWE exclusive reckoning calling her out. Like, why Why does she deserve a title match? They haven't done it. They've been all big losers. It just, I don't know. I, I thought after the draft, Raw would would kind of iron out some of their, their issues that they had before the draft. It seemed like repetitive feuds or just random feuds. But since, since the draft, it seems like they've plummeted even more somehow, which... I don't even think it would be possible, but this Monday night show, my fast forward button got used a ton. No, I'm sure it did. I mean, on the note, on the subject of the Raw Women's Division, I do think they have the potential there to really make it stronger than it currently is, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because we do have the Survivor Series brand supremacy stuff going on right now. I'm hoping after that pay-per-view we can kind of get back to having the Raw Women's Championship be more of a focal point on the show. Um, but before we get to Oscar, I do want to mention, still talking about the women's division real quick, the women's tag team division. We didn't see them on Raw this week, but they did appear on Raw Talk after the show as a unit, which makes me really worried as to the fact that WWE might put them together on a permanent basis, that being Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. Now, I know you're a bigger uh, Peyton Royce fan than you are Lacey Evans. I like both women a lot. I think that both women could be future Raw women's champions in time. I think it's an incredibly dumb decision to take two people who do not need to be together. Lacey Evans just came over from SmackDown. Peyton Royce just broke up with Billy Kay, which was for the better. I'm not even advocating they should have stuck you know, stuck together. Uh, they did everything they could do. They've been teaming for years. Peyton has more potential than Billy. They did what they should have done. Then why are they putting Peyton Royce in another tag team? That's my question for you, RJ. I honestly can't answer that one, GSM. I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I do like Peyton Royce a lot. I think she has a ton of potential. She has a great look. Um, she's good enough in the ring. I think she can get by. Lacey Evans is, is pretty good as well. I wouldn't say I'm as invested in her, but it doesn't really make much sense just to form, like you said, break up Peyton and Billy, which needed to happen. But I figured they would push her as a single, but it seems like they're going to put her and Lacey together. But the division's dead. I just, I just don't know why they would do that. I think they're both better on their own. I just... The division needs credible heels, too, to face Asuka, so not quite sure what the hell they're doing on Raw. It seems like, seems like Raw, the difference between Raw and Smatha right now is just mind-boggling, and I just don't understand how it's the same company booking this two different shows, and they're just so polar opposites. Yeah, Asuka is just such an afterthought right now, and it's not even her fault so much as it is the fact that she doesn't have any credible competition. I mean, look at her last three championship defenders, or championship challengers, uh, Zelina Vega, Lana, and Mickey James. I like Mickey James a lot. She was a loser prior to getting that title match. Let's be honest there. She really was not built up much at all. And we haven't really even seen her since, actually. I think she might be hurt. 
But Zelina Vega is, is just has no credibility. And then, um, who's the other person I just mentioned? Oh, Lana. She lost in two minutes. I mean, they need to build up bigger challengers. I don't know why they're just feeding Asuka the losers of the division and not the bigger stars. I like Mia Yim a lot. I think Mia Yim and Asuka could have a really good match. Reckoning has not wrestled on Raw at all up to this point. The entire Retribution stable has been one giant joke. So I'm not really sure that's a few that can salvage that division. But you mentioned Retribution. We'll j- kind of jump all over the place here with his Raw review. But I got to mention this. On the subject of tag teams, prema- not even prematurely breaking up because the I think the Iconics ran their course. I'm glad they went their separate ways. But on the subject of breaking up a team when you didn't need to. Like Peyton Royce did not need to be in another tag team. At that point, just keep her with Billy Kay, who she has way more chemistry with. We're going to go to this real quick. Probably the biggest low point from the show. Ricochet versus Tucker. Now, Ricochet, surprisingly, was not what I want to rant about here. I think Ricochet, um, he seems to be transitioning into a feud with Mustafa, or rather Mustafa Ali. That's how they're pronouncing his name now, which is cool. And I'm all for that. They have, you know, they have history. They used to be, they used to be friends. The matches could be fine, whatever. Retribution's dead in the fucking water, but that's fine. The bigger problem here was Tucker. Now we've been here on the show before. We literally just talked about it last week with Tucker as far as prematurely breaking up tag teams like Heavy Machinery. Um, we didn't see Otis on SmackDown last week. We didn't see Tucker on Raw. Tucker was on Raw this week. He lost the Ricochet in maybe 30, 60 seconds at most. The guy looks like Barry Horowitz from fucking 1995. I mean, it's ridiculous. They, they just completely, within literally a week or so, they went they, they took a guy that was in a popular tag team and turned him into a complete loser. What the hell was the point of any of this, Mr. Marceau? I just, I don't get it, GSM. I, I just, I'm lost in words again. I, the, I, I don't know if they just don't, prioritized I well they clearly don't prioritize tag team wrestling but it just seems like if you're a big tag team in NXT you get called up you have a forgettable run as a tag team and then they just split you up and then you just do nothing and I think Otis could probably salvage I think he's got the personality and has like that charisma that can get him by a little bit Tucker guy is as bland as the fucking white walls in my house right now I mean (laughs) he's probably a nice guy I mean but yeah, on, he just—he's just not that good, especially on his own. And he just—and he just lost to Ricochet in thirty seconds, like you said, thirty seconds and sixty seconds. Who is—I love Ricochet, but he's been a complete loser on the main roster. I mean, I don't think couldn't tell you the last time we won a match that actually meant anything. So if you're losing to Ricochet in sixty seconds, it doesn't look too good for you. Um, he'll probably be on main event soon enough, but I think it's just really dumb. It's just just another dumb decision on Raw. Well, I will say this. Raw was not a complete shit show on Monday. I didn't love the show. I thought it was a very boring three hours, a very dull show. But on the subject of tag teams, I'll transition into this. I thought one of the better parts of Raw this week was the amount of time they devoted to the New Day and Hurt Business stuff. They got maybe three segments on the show, and they had a pretty lengthy promo battle for a while, transitioned into the match. That match was given a ton of time, and it was a very good match to boot. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods getting beat by the Hurt Business's Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. And I've said this for weeks now, I am absolutely all for Alexander and Benjamin being the ones to take those tag team titles. I was going to say originally the Street Profits, but they're on SmackDown now. Now the New Day are the Raw Tag Team Champions. The New Day. I I think that's the right move. This could be a fun feud. I think they're the right team to take the titles. I would put a lot of the belts on the Hurt Business. Maybe not the 24-7 Championship, because no one really cares about that shit anymore. Um, And it's been that way for a long time. But I think this is a great feud to do, and if this match was any indication, I'm all four of these teams probably getting a tag team title rematch, whether it be on an upcoming episode of Raw or the TLC pay-per-view or whatever. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed the Hurt Business a lot. Uh, what they did on Monday with the New Days was, like you said, probably the best part of the show. The only issue with that is the tag team division on Raw is just terrible. So if the Hurt Business win it, they face the New Day, and then like, who else do they face? I couldn't even name another tag team on Raw. So... Um, I like their business a lot. I think the the shining part of Raw at this point, besides like the Fiend, Alexa Bliss, and Drew, but uh, just I like I just it's one of those things. I like it. It's good now, but it just like at the end, it's just where is it going to go from there? Because there's nothing really else for them to do once they beat New Day. So same issue that they had before with the Street Profits. They kind of just didn't really have anyone to contend with. They move them. Nothing's going to change. The tag team division on both shows sucks. 
I will agree that um, The Fiend has been one of the better parts of the show alongside Alexa Bliss for the last two or three weeks now. They had another Firefly Funhouse segment this week. Um, I'm sure an Alexa Bliss Nikki Cross formal feud is coming. But yeah, we had The Fiend appear at the end of the show this week after McIntyre beat Miz and Morrison in a 2-on-1 handicap match. Actually, I'm not even sure he appeared, but he did have a presence on the show. And I think we talked about this last week, but all roads have got to be leading to a McIntyre... Um, Fiend, Orton, Triple Threat. Do you put Miz in there too and just get rid of the briefcase that way? Because it doesn't seem... Miz is not going to cash in successfully. Nor should he at this point. I mean, we talked about this last week again, but... Listen, I like the Miz. The guy is lit. I talked about this on Hashtag yesterday. He has won maybe one match on his own in the last six months. If that, maybe. I mean, I know he beat Otis at Hell in the Cell, so that would probably be it. Um, but the guy's a complete loser right now. I would just put him in the Fatal 4-Way at the pay-per-view... And then maybe that's how Drew wins the belt back by pinning the Miz. That's that's what I would do. Um. Yeah. I just like you said. I just don't think Miz is going to win it, nor should he at this point. He's just been booked terribly, and I just I don't think that's what Raw needs right now. Um. But no, I I, I think the Fiend will get involved. Um. If anyone should lose at that point, like you said, if anyone's going to get pinned, it probably should be Miz. You don't want the Fiend to lose. You don't want Randy to take a pinfall either at this point. So no, I actually kind of like that idea. I didn't even think of that, but. Um, if he's not going to cash in successfully, just have him involved in some way and then just lose the briefcase at this, at this point. Well, I just, sucks. Re- I think it sucks too. Cause I, I think back at money, in the bank now, I think there are plenty of guys that could have used it and actually propelled their career, but it seems like the briefcase was just another waste this year. Yeah, no, it's been that way for probably four or five years. I would say Dean Ambrose was probably the one that really made the most of it. I mean, he cashed it in that same night, but ever since then, Corbin was the right winner three years ago. He lost the title match. Braun Strowman was the right winner three or two years ago, lost the title match. Brock was completely random, did not need the briefcase. That was a waste. And this year was Otis, and now Miz, and it's been reduced to a complete joke, so... Um, I will agree with you on that. I just realized while I was saying the thing about The Miz that, I mean, he's not going to announce it ahead of time. He'll be like, oh, I'll enter the title match of the pay-per-view. Like, he's a fucking heel. He wouldn't do that. But what they could do at the TLC pay-per-view, they could do Fiend, Orton, and McIntyre in a triple threat. I mean, I guess if it, if it's the TLC pay-per-view, it would probably be a TLC match, which means there'd be no pinfalls. But you can have Miz cash in maybe in the middle of it, and then he loses anyway. Kind of like with Rollins. But he still loses, if that makes sense. That That's what I would do. Um, just because I think Miz cashing in one-on-one at this point, just no one really cares. So, anyway. Whatever. We'll see where it goes. Uh, one final note from Raw. We do have Braun Strowman on Team Raw at Survivor Series beating Sheamus and Keith Lee in a triple threat match on Monday night. Now, the whole brand supremacy stuff, I think, is stupid. Um, at this point, if NXT won't be involved, I really just don't care if there's no stakes. But... You know, and the whole bickering between the teammates, too, has been done to death over the last three or four years. I mean, come on, man. We see this every fucking year that the teammates can't get along. It's ridiculous. On the bright side, though, I do bring this up because the match I thought was great. Definitely the best match in the entire show. Um, These three working really well together. Strowman pinning Sheamus to pick up the victory. Any additional thoughts on this, RJ? No, I I thought the match itself was good. I thought for a triple threat match, they worked great together. It was three big men and... Came off well, I just think, like you said, the bickering and fight in team fighting and all that stuff. It's a dying trope that they've done the last couple of years. It's just they're supposed to be fighting for brand supremacy, which means nothing, anyways. But now they're just not going to get along. It just, it's just stupid. I just, it does nothing for anyone, and they need to really put stakes in these matches or give me a reason to care. Like, just give me some fucking reason to care. Besides that, why? It's it's just it's just stupid at this point. We'll go to a show that we really don't care about in Raw, and it was a show that I thought was a lot better in NXT, specifically Halloween Havoc from last week. We recorded last week's show before Halloween Havoc last week. Didn't get a chance to talk about it. Real quickly, RJ, what were your thoughts overall on the show, and was it one of NXT's strongest shows all year in 2020? Yeah, I enjoyed the show a lot. I, I would say it's probably, it probably was up there. I, I, I would have to look back to other shows that they've had and compare them, but I thought it was a really good addition of... Uh, NXT, nice little special for Halloween. Uh, I thought most of the matches delivered. I love the main event. I love the main event with EO and uh, Candice. Mm-hmm. That was a great match. Um, the House of Terror match was pretty good for what it was. Um, love Cameron Grimes. And uh, <laughs> I think Welch was on the show. Damien and Johnny were was good. I didn't love the interference at the end, but I mean, it happened in the main event too, and it didn't 
didn't go the, the way that they wanted to go. So it was what it was, but no, I thought the show was good. Uh, did es- Escobar beat Jake Atlas in like two seconds. Yep. Loved the uh, Pete Dunn reveal. Thought that was huge. Yep. Pop big for that. Um, Me too. But no, I, I thought the show was really good. I thought it was a lot better than NXT or that AEW was last week. So big, big uh, show for NXT, and I thought they did pretty well following up with it this week. Yeah, I thought it was great. They also did Rhea and Raquel, which I thought was a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, I mean, about that, great match. Yeah, that was Rhea. Rhea, I know, is great, and Raquel hasn't had a lot of like. She hasn't had a breakout performance yet. She's been in NXT for a long time. I know she joined up with Dakota earlier this year, but she's actually been there since, like, the first May on Class, like, three years ago. And I thought she was one of those women that was doomed to be, like, one of those undercard people that doesn't really improve a lot, but she has actually come a long way. I'm not sure if it was a Rhea thing or if it was just the fact that she's looked a lot better, but she looked great here, and I thought it was a really good match and a lot better match, a lot better of a match than I thought it would be. I thought every match delivered on the show, the Haunted House of Terror match, that was great. I completely agree with you on everything else. You had to have loved, I'm sure you popped big, not only for the Pete Dunne reveal and the heel turn and the return and whatever, but I'm sure you popped big, Mr. Marceau, for the Santos Escobar nod to the 1997 Halloween Havoc Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero match with his gear. Oh, obviously. I fucking marked out. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Great. I love that match so much. But yeah, I love that too. The nice nod. He had like the little face paint, like the uh, like the Day of the Dead face paint. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, that was cool. I actually watched that Halloween Havoc match with um with Alexis last week before Halloween Havoc that, that, that same week. We watched that. We watched... Because WWE Network had a few Halloween Havoc matches up. So we watched that one. I think we watched Goldberg and... Goldberg and um, DDP? Yeah, Goldberg and DDP and then Goldberg and Savage. And actually, both matches were really good. Or maybe, I'm sorry, it was DDP and, and Savage. And then Goldberg and DDP. Both matches were great. Um, I would strongly recommend checking out those as well if you haven't seen them. But yeah, no, I thought the face paint was cool. The overall show was awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed it. You mentioned the interference in the... NXT North American Championship match with Gargano and Priest, and then again in Larray and Shirai. We saw the same ghost face, you know, hooded figure from Scream on NXT this week, both in the Gargano segment at his house and the Larray segment when she was attacking Shotzi Blackheart's tank. Now, I already told you what my idea is, and I know I'm not the only one who thinks this way. This is not a bold prediction at all. But a lot like in the movie Scream, I think it's two different people. I think the guy that interfered in Gargano's match was Austin Theory, because he quit two weeks ago and we've heard nothing about it since. And then I think the person who interfered in the women's match was Indy Hartwell. So, because they were already, I mean, that one's kind of obvious because they were kind of teasing that anyway. Um, What are your predictions for who's going to be under the mask, RJ? Yeah, I would go with what you said. I mean, I saw reports that it was supposed to be Indy Hartwell, but I think she was not available due to COVID. So they, they, they said, they said it was like a random person dressed up, but they think the reveal is going to be her at the yep. end. Yep. Um, never seen the original scream. So don't, don't hang me, but I guess it, the two different people were the scream. I, I didn't know that. So, um, I, I think Austin theory would be a good choice for, if it was going to be a guy reveal. Um, but no, I, I kind of think everyone, like you said, they've had little, uh, seed planting for Indy Harwell, so I, I don't think anyone would be too surprised if it was her as the uh, as the reveal. Do you like the idea, and I think we've talked about this before, do you like the idea of the Garganos having their own stable in NXT? I mean, we kind of have a few of them right now, um, so I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, because I don't love the all the stables over in AEW right now, so I'm not even really sure. Maybe, maybe this would be different, though, because it has a few women, I'm not sure, but we already have Legado del Fantasma. Undisputed Era, this new Pat McAfee stable. That's three right there. NXT doesn't have a very... They have a lot of talented people on their roster. They don't have a huge roster. So I don't know if a fourth stable is exactly the answer. Though I do like the idea of Gargano and LeRae kind of managing these two upstart people. Yeah, I think it's, if it's, that's kind of the approach to just trying to help them out a little bit. But I'm not a huge fan of factions. Don't think they really need it. But if it's just like a grooming process, I, I, I could deal with it. Um... It's not, I wouldn't say it's like, don't keep doing this as like a big thing, but I think Theory kind of needs it at this point. I feel like he is good on his own. I just feel like he just doesn't really have any direction. Um, so if they're going to put him with them. That would be good. And same with Harwell. They could. They need uh, some new up-and-coming women's wrestlers, and I think she's got a lot of potential. So, um, yeah, I, if, if it's done right, I'm, not, I'm fine with it because, like you said, there are a couple other factions, but 
Um, I don't want faction wars here, so don't make it too crazy. <laughs> no, I agree. We did get two great women's matches on this week's show. A lot like last week, we had Shirai and LeRae and Raquel and Rhea. We had another two really good matches this week. We had Tony Storm and Shotzi Blackheart and, and uh, Dakota Kai and Ember Moon. I thought both matches were really good. The only thing, my, my nitpick of both matches, and I, again, I got to be consistent here because I don't like when AEW does it or specifically WWE. It's mostly WWE, let's be honest, the main roster, is the distraction finishes, the ref bumps, the interference. We got a lot of it on this show. Um, and usually I would be annoyed by it. I thought in every instance it was well done, so it didn't really bother me. But we got it with Dakota and Ember. Raquel kind of made her presence felt at ringside. Dakota won the match, surprisingly. as yeah, she probably should have. Ember would have been winning would have been fine. But I think Dakota gains a lot from not being the stepping stone that Ember thought you know that she would be. And then I thought Blackheart and Tony also had a really good match. I didn't love the distraction roll-up. I thought they could have just had Tony won. And, you know, had Tony win and then do the whole LeRae tank thing afterward. But from an in-ring standpoint, I thought both matches were really good. Yeah, I enjoyed both matches. I, I really liked Dakota Kai. I was actually pretty surprised she won here. Um, she seems like she's been a stepping stone lately, like you said. Even though Ember has proven already, it just seems like she's the one that anyone that's going up up the ranks, she's the one that usually they beat to kind of get them to that next level. But I was very surprised she won. Hate the interference. Everyone knows that. If anyone listens to the show, they know I hate interference. So it wasn't too over the top. It wasn't like the overbooked interference, but it just like – Definitely not necessary, but I guess that I would say that one was wasn't as bad as as the one for uh, Blackheart and Storm. Like that, the one in the the Kai and and Ember match is kind of just like an old school like heel manager getting like a little distraction, get a little win there. So it's not too bad. But like the whole like video presentation, I fucking run over a stupid tank. Like come on, Storm should have beat her clean as a whistle. And then they could have done that after fact. I just I don't think they needed that. Like Storm should be beating her clean. She shouldn't have, she shouldn't she shouldn't be beating her by roll up. It's just I don't know because it clearly because clearly not, the direction they're going in is is Loray and Shotzi, and then Storm will probably go on and do something else. So why would like she should have just had a decisive win? I thought. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I could see the wor- I could see why they're protecting Shotzi. Um, she is obviously someone they're grooming for that future role to be the top of the division at some point, which I'm totally fine with. I think she's great. So I- I'm fine with them protecting her in defeat. I just thought the way they did it was a little stupid. And I honestly thought, I'm thinking, okay, is Tony Storm going to like low blow her or like do something? I don't. I thought she was going to turn heel. Like when they showed Tony consoling Shotzi afterward, I thought she was just going to kick her head off, just because. It, I don't know, because I feel like... I thought they were going to turn Tony heel just because we already have a babyface-esque champion in EO. We have Rhea, and we have Ember, and all of them are babyfaces. I feel like if you need you, you need a top heel in this division, Dakota Kai is as close as we're going to get right now. You're probably going to have to turn someone else. So, I don't know. Do you think they could afford to turn one of these women heel? Yeah, they could do that. I just... I think Eo's more of a tweener, so I, I, I mean, she obviously is a babyface, but I think you get away with her and Storm. Um, I don't, I don't, but like you said, they do kind of need a top heel. That would definitely be Kai at this point. Seems like Lorraine's a one of their top heels as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess you could do it. I don't think it's totally necessary, but um, if it, I, I think Tony is like a badass heel, would definitely work. So. Um, that's possible. I, I think you could still get away with her without being a babyface, though. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking that they need, like, an aggressive, set-in-stone heel for this division. I think it could be Tony Storm. I mean, Rhea's probably moving up at some point. When do you think we are getting EO and Rhea? Is it on an upcoming episode of NXT? Do they save it for that rumor takeover in early December? When do you think is the best time to do it? Um, I, I would probably do it on NXT TV. Um, it's a big match. Um, you get on TV, it's probably the biggest match in the women's division now. I, I would save Storm and EO for the uh, for the takeover. No, I thought another highlight from the show on Wednesday was the promo from Pat McAfee, Pete Dunn, Lorcan, and Birch. Um, it, it's a random stable a little bit. It's just kind of four guys thrown together. But I think so far they're making it work. Um, I like the reveal last week. I like the Pat McAfee reveal two weeks ago. We already talked about that. I don't know, I really liked what they did on Wednesday. I thought the promo was great. The segment dragged on a little long when they interfered in the tag team match. 
kind of they, they show them walking back out to their car. It went on a little long, but I love the fact they talked about from the get-go, the Undisputed Era have been a dominant force in NXT since 2017. And they also addressed why Pete Dunne joined the group of McAfee, Lorcan, and Birch was because Roderick Strong turned on him two and a half years ago. So this was his way of returning the favor. And as many other people have said, heel Dunne is the best Dunne. So I'm really looking forward to him being back on the show. Long overdue, we have not seen him on NXT since he had to relinquish the tag titles eight months ago or something like that. So if we're not going to get a done riddle feud, having done be involved in a feud with Undisputed Era might be the next best thing. And I think at some point, if we get Finn Balor back on the show, hopefully sooner rather than later, a Dunn and Finn Balor match could also be amazing. Yeah, I like the group, like you said. It is kind of random, but I mean, McAfee back, he, he's, he's going to need someone to help him out, obviously with Undisputed Era. So it makes sense to a little bit. The people are just kind of random, but from what I saw from the reveal to from last night and the promo and then them attacking, um, I, I think it's good. I think I like I like Birch and Lorcan. I feel like they were kind of just that like that stale babyface team. So I think this is a nice little new direction for them. I think it works with them. And then Pete Dunn, like you said, Peel Pete Dunn's the best Pete Dunn. So I think McAfee's great on the mic. He doesn't really have to talk too much. He can do the talking for the group. I, I just, I like, I like it for what it is. Like you said, it is really random, but I think, I think they can make it work. Well, to be fair too, I will say this: the inner circle was pretty random too. When they kind of got joined together, they have good chemistry now. But like when they first joined together, it kind of felt like five random dudes joining a, you know, forming a heel stable. This kind of is the same thing. The only issue with the inner circle is not their chemistry, but their just the, the weak booking in 2020. I mean, these guys, we just got done talking about this before we uh, started recording here, and we've, we've mentioned it every week for a while now. These guys can never really mit- win whenever it matters most. I mean, we currently had the... I mean, they've already done something the inner circle was never able to do, and that was get the tag team titles in their faction. I'm not saying Pat McAfee's destined for the NXT Championship. Pete Dunne might be, potentially. But, um, yeah, I think they're already off to a good start. It's a matter of how they book them from here. Do you think we get that War Games match maybe at that December takeover, RJ? And who would you have go over in that case? It seems like that might be the direction they're going in. Um, I, w- I mean, if that's what they do, I would have McAfee's team win on his speed hour. At this point, it seems like it's just a matter of when, not if, they get called up. So I think they'll probably just put some people over before they get called up, it seems like. So I, I would have them have them lose at War Games. I just At this point, I just don't know when they're going to call them up. Is it safe to say that um, Undisputed there not Undisputed there Lorcan and Birch are holding on to the tag titles next week when they defend against Prezongo? Yes, I, 100%. We're also getting Gargano versus an opponent of his choosing for the NXT North American Championship. Who, who, you know, who do you think that opponent's going to be? And obviously Gargano. I, I like how they addressed in NXT last night that the whole curse, how any championship he's ever held on the show, he's literally always lost it in the first defense which is 100% true. In his first major defensive ever championship, they have he has lost the title. So I like that they brought that up. He's got to win next week. You probably agree, RJ, but who does he face? I honestly have no idea. That's a tough one. If, if it's is, an opponent it, of his choosing, like is it an Austin and Theory again? We just saw that a couple of weeks ago. Is it, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't think he would choose Bronson Reed or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it could be just like kind of a rando. If anything, they could just do like he could have like a obviously some so like a NX. I don't even know. I think that what you do there, like you said, he's never defended it. Maybe he'd pick someone that like we really don't know, but they've been in the PC for a while, like they're ready to go. He fucking loses this random person that we'd never heard of, and they make a star out of him. I mean, that's the direction I would go in. Gargano picks someone that he thinks like. He has he could kill in seconds and then he loses to him. It's kind of like the Santino Morella thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously a little bit differently, but I don't know. I think I, I think that'd be a better idea than him just like beating up some random loser. But um, I can't, I can't name anyone because I think he, if he's picking his own opponent and he knows that he's never defended the title successfully after winning it, you you think he'd pick some loser. So it would make no sense if he picked like you said like a Bronson Reed or or anyone that has any kind of notoriety. So I, I think it would probably be someone someone who really don't know, but I think it would be cool if they if they upset Johnny. I could see someone from the recent Evolve crew who got hired. That guy, Anthony Green, that was on the show two weeks ago. He was on the show this week, too, under a new name. Um, not him specifically. I think he could have worked well for that role. He's now feuding with Thatcher, even though Thatcher beat him a couple of weeks ago. They're continuing that feud. 
I could see someone like him facing facing Johnny. Uh, they had a guy named Kurt Stallion. They they brought him, and he was in the Evolved WWE Network special about a year ago. Uh, maybe him. There was a guy named oh man, what's his name? He was a bigger dude from Evolved. They just hired him. Not not Baba Tunde, but it was like ah man, I don't remember his name. But uh, Josh Josh Briggs Josh Briggs. He, he reminds me a lot of the guy that won Tough Enough like five years ago. I think his name is Josh Briggs. What, uh, no, not Big Andy. The guy that won it. The, guy, the, the Yeti guy from yeah, five years ago. Oh, I know. That big goof. I mean, he, he was probably worse than Big Andy. Big Andy was a joke. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy that came in second that year against Big Andy? Oh, my name is ZZ. Is that what you're talking it's about? ZZ. No, the fucking... The guy was good looking. The good looking guy. Oh, Luke Robinson. Yeah. I actually met him soon after that. I met him at a couple of indie shows, and I interviewed him on my podcast at the time. He continued to wrestle, but then he just gave it up and started doing other stuff because I guess he thought he wouldn't make it. I don't know, but he was at a couple of Northeast wrestling shows for a couple of years after that. Oh, baby. Yeah, yeah he's, I, I, I actually I got to share the picture. I have a picture with him from 2011, which is hilarious. Oh, good stuff. I'm <laughs> Big Andy. Oh, my God. Well, you didn't love ZZ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure when they started doing the, uh, the like, uh, like the PC match, I feel like he was in the crowd when they started doing the PC guys, when they started doing Raw, like, Raw from the PC, when they had, like, the, I swear to God, I saw him there once, I'm like, is that fucking ZZ? Yes, I know what you're guy? talking about, no, that wasn't him, I, I, there was, I know exactly what you're talking about, because I realized the same thing, I think a lot more people would be talking about it if it was, I know... One of the guys from the 2011 Tough Enough, Eric Watts, I think. He's a very tall guy. Um, he has an afro. He was wow. on Dynamite recently. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He was he on Dynamite. Was... Actually, he wrestled on Dark, actually. he's Actually, he's appeared on Smash. He's actually probably the most active of all the Tough Enough alumni, surprisingly. Enough. And he looks exactly the same. That was almost 10 years ago. Um, he was on Dynamite. He wrestled on Dark a couple times, at least one or two times. And he appears as an extra on like the WWE shows constantly. So he's still around. But he's the only one. I know Eva Lise was obviously in that same season, and she's still wrestling, of course. Um, yeah, Luke Robinson, I don't know. He was one of those guys where you thought he would go a lot further than he did. He was a great talker. He was a fucking asshole. But that's why you thats why you think he'd go far, because he would have made such a great heel. But yeah, I guess he just gave it up. I don't know. It's weird. Wasn't Ari on in that season, too? Yeah, we don't talk about that, but yes, she was. She was the first wrestling. person signed from that season, actually. She's still wrestling. <laughs> she's still wrestling. And, um... You know, it's funny, Lucha Underground picked up a lot of those people because Ivelisse was in Lucha. Uh, Matt Cross, a.k.a. Son of Havoc, a.k.a. Yeah, yeah, Matt Cross, was in Lucha and also NWA. And um, Marty Casayas, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He was Marty, uh, Marty the, Moth. the Moth. Yeah. Yeah, and he's really cool, too. I met him. I actually met him at WrestleCon about a year ago. He was really nice. But anyway, there's a ton of, there's a ton of tough enough alumni people out there. Um, that I think one of these companies... I'm shocked Luke Robinson never really made it because I think he could have gone far. We're so far removed from NXT here. I'm just talking about Tough Enough, but I, you just reminded me of that guy's name. We were... We were, we were it, I, I kind of brought us that direction. I said, you <laughs> went a little Tough Enough ramp. Hey, listen, I love me some Tough Enough. I'm probably going to go back and rewatch the old seasons on the network because they're all up there. Oh, God. Make sure you see Big Andy for me. Big Andy, and then I didn't watch the original seasons, but Matt Morgan was on one of those seasons, and Jim Ross just fucking buried the guy, I think. <laughs> I just don't know how fucking... I have no idea how Big Andy won. That was bland as shit. The best is not the fact that he won, but then he had to eat a stunner from Steve Austin, and it looked fucking terrible. <laughs> He sold no, no. He sold the stunner terribly, like even worse than Vince. And Vince like punched it. He like slapped him or something. And I think it was a shoe. It was really weird. And then Stone Cold stuns him, and then he just no sells it and gets up and then celebrates with him. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> so random. So random. Oh goodness. Good old tough enough days. Um, I forgot what else I was gonna say, but yeah, we'll probably get the War Games match at some point, maybe in December. Um, and hopefully the heels go over because I think, you know, Undisputed Air have lost the last two years, but you got to put over the new faction. You got to put over Dunn and these other guys. Um, so far, so good with them. I think that's about it from the show. Um, I was just about to say Anthony Green's new name is August Gray. August, like as in the month August, and then G R E Y, which sounds like a fucking porn star name. It sounds terrible. I'm not really sure what was wrong with uh, Anthony Green, but August Gray sounds terrible, but that's his new name. 
And oh, in the main event, we got Tommaso Ciampa, Velveteen Dream. Not really much of a match, to be honest with you. This was just a straight-up squash of Velveteen Dream, which is exactly what, what it should have been. I can't really bring myself to care about Dream at this point. Not only with the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, but just his booking, and he just really hasn't clicked at all in 2020. We've talked about this a lot. Um, the match was what it was. Ciampa basically killed the guy. I guess Ciampa's a babyface again. They seem to not know what the fuck to do with the guy. They brought him back as a heel, probably because Karrion Cross got hurt. Finn Balor gets hurt, so they feel like they need another top heel, or top babyface, so they turn him back into a babyface. I don't know what's going on here. I, I thought this was a good match, but like as far as the booking of both men, I mean, I don't even know where you go from here. Yeah, I I think the match is what it needs to be. Velveteen Dream might have had might be having the worst twenty twenty in wrestling. I think he's been just I just don't care. The guy hasn't won. He just seems like just like I understand all the things that happen outside the ring. Just even inside the ring, I just I don't know. I just yep. lost so much steam. It's just like crazy how big or how popular this guy was a few years ago, and everyone's like he's going to be champion. He's going to be the next big thing, and he just. Just that seems like just another guy at this point. I, I, I don't think the outside the ring stuff's helped him at all. I think that's probably hindered him as well. But just even after his big run when he was very popular, I feel like he cooled off. Then with everything coming out now, definitely helped cool him off even more. But him getting squashed, I, I feel like he, his time might be numbered in NXT, honestly. Yeah, I feel like they're booking him this way for a reason. He's just been straight up squashed the last couple of weeks by Kushida, now Ciampa. I mean, the guy has no credibility at this point, so what's even the point of bringing him back for, like, another program with someone? You put him over, or you, you have other, you know, you put him, you use him to put other people over, is what I'm trying to say. I, I don't It doesn't feel like they're moving him up, nor should they. I feel like that'd be a mistake, too. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what goes on with him, but I'm not very optimistic. Um, we'll talk about Dynamite real quick before we get into the full gear preview and predictions. And I thought Dynamite overall, I know you weren't as fond of it, but I thought it was a good show. Um, much better than last week. We had a lot of great build for the pay-per-view on Saturday. Now, I will say the Young Bucks and FTR build is underwhelmed. We'll get to that actual prediction in the preview of the match later on. They tried with the video package here. It didn't feel like a match that has been five years in the making or whatever it is. I thought the video package and the sit-down interviews with Paige and Omega were really good. Um, I thought those were great. I thought the Moxley and Eddie Kingston back and forth was great. I thought the Cody promo at the end was great. I thought from a promo standpoint, this was a really good show. And there were some fun matches too. So I'll ask you this real quick, RJ. Before we get into the specifics of the show. Um, what was it about the show that you didn't really like? That you didn't really you know, excite you about the uh, about Wendy, uh, Wednesday's Dynamite? I almost said Wendy's. But Wednesday's episode of Dynamite. What was it about the show that didn't really stick with you? I think just the matches. I don't know. This all felt like mad to me. I just like... Didn't really do much for me. Like the the first, I think, for how much I like, I really like MGF and Wardlow a lot. I like Sammy. I just, I don't know, like that match. Really didn't do much for me. Um, and then from there on, I just didn't really like the Miro Trent match. Was kind of just I felt like it was just kind of there. I think that feud's just fucking stupid anyway. So maybe that's just me just hating that feud. I just none of the matches really excited me too much. I maybe that's what it is. And I don't know. I, for a pre pay-per-view show, I just, I don't know, it just didn't really feel like a go-home show to me, but, I mean, that's just my thought. No, I agree. I thought, promos, uh, though, I thought all the promos are great. I thought mm-hmm. the Team Taz promo was great, the sit-downs were good, Cody's promo was good as always, and uh, even the Moxley and Kingston promos are good, but I just don't, for that one, I just don't think Eddie Kingston's going to win, or should he, but... Um, I thought the promos are great. The matches just, I don't know, just didn't really do much for me. Well, I will say this. I thought, you know, going into the show, I enjoyed the show coming out of it. Going in, nothing about the show really excited me at all. I mean, I thought the Moxley and Kingston stuff would be good. The rest of the show on paper, Miro and Trent. I mean, it was Miro's first singles match in about nine months, they said, since he was in WWE. Um, I forgot he was, he probably lost to Bobby Lashley or something. But, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, I just don't really care. Like, I just watched NXT first and then watched Dynamite later. But coming out of the show, I actually really liked it. And I forgot to mention the promos from Team Taz. I thought they, that was really good. Um, didn't really serve much of a purpose, but I guess they'll be at the pay-per-view on Saturday in some form or fashion. We got to hear from Pac, or Pac rather, for the first time in um, six, seven, eight months or something like that. It's been a long time, so we got to hear from him. What role do you think he has in the show going forward? I mean, obviously, if he wasn't going to be on the show anytime soon, I'm not really sure why they would have done this, but he has to be back maybe even as early as next week because we're getting Penta and Phoenix again. Do you think he resurfaces there, maybe? 
Yeah, it's possible. I, I think they can probably travel. I'm assuming if they're just doing this vignette, I'm assuming he can travel soon. It'd be pretty random if he can't. I didn't know they're doing Penta and, and Ray Fanskin. I did not know that. I guess he'd come out and they could reform the Death Triangle, I think it was called. Yeah, the Death Triangle was the name of the group, yeah. Spanish version's way better, but I don't know it. Oh, um, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. It's like Triangular De La Muertes or something. Yes, yes, something De La Muerte, yeah. Yeah, but I think, I thought they, like, yeah, that was extremely random, but I thought they started getting some, some decent push there, and then obviously with the pandemic, and I don't know if he permanently lives in England or wherever he's from. I'm surprised he didn't have a, a place in the States. I mean, he was in WWE for so long. Um, but yeah, so, or maybe he was just, he didn't want to work because of COVID and I, I really don't know, but, um, that, I guess they could reform them. I mean, they haven't really, they haven't really been a big part of it, this little Eddie Kingston faction, neither as the butcher or blade. I mean, they got Allie back. So, I mean, I guess that's a positive. So, <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the Lucha Bros have cooled off a ton. Um, so maybe getting back with pack, they can kind of build them up again. I just, from where they started to where they are now, I mean, they fall on a fucking hundred sto- hundred floors at this point of a fucking building. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think putting them back with pack will probably make, be, be better than where they are now. So I, I, if that's where they're going with this, I, I'm, I'm for it. Um, but I just, it's kind of hard to, I think that's it. Not that they can't salvage them. I just think they they should have won the belts first. They didn't win them. They've kind of been an afterthought since. Mm-hmm. Just, they need to get back on the right track. I mean, the gun club is clearly who they're pushing now. I mean, maybe they're going to be the next in line for a tag team title shot. Oh, my goodness. I, I hope not. I just I don't need to see freaking Billy Gunn on, on my TV in a main event. In 2020, um, yeah, no thanks. His son, I, I, I get, he's like okay in the ring. I don't think if he was if he was any other Joe Schmo, he'd probably be in AEW right now. I think that's a uh, family hire there. Hundred I mean, percent. He's he's okay. Like okay is being nice. He's just kind of there. He's there because of his dad. I mean, I just don't care about about them. I just. Ugh, I just, I just don't, don't know why. Why would you put him over in the main event of a dynamite right before a pay per view? They're not going to be on. I mean, they said the commentators were like, "Oh, he, he's nine and zero. The Gun Club is nine and zero, beating fucking who." On, on Dark. I mean, it's all losers. This is why the whole ranking system is a joke. They're 10-0, and they should be out of title shot. But why? I don't want to see them on Dynamite facing the tag team champions. No thanks. Wow, Dark matters. Dark Order apparently doesn't matter. They had a main event here on the show. Cabana, John Silver, Preston, 10 Vans. Who cares? Who Where's gives a Brody fuck? Who? Brody Lee. <laughs> um, we haven't seen him since he dropped the belt. I guess the story might be maybe he's pissed off or something. I, I was thinking about that, too. I feel like it's just going to come back and just kill everyone. So Honestly, it might be for the better. because this I'd rather have him off the show than managing these guys as they lose meaningless matches. Yeah, I mean... And then I feel like he can come back in a bigger way. So I'm, I'm fine with them being off the show for right now. Okay. We'll see. But we had Miro and Trent. Their match was good. Um, Miro and Orange Cassidy, I mean... I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a fine feud, but Miro's got to win. I feel like if Orange Cassidy wins, Miro should just go back to WWE. Yeah, I just, I just fear for him a lot. I think he's gonna go right in that Lance Archer, Brian Cage role and just be nothing, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll see. Um, again, I thought it was a good show overall. Um, Nyla Rose quickly squashing her opponent. The Young Bucks and Private Party match was great, and it was cool to see a rematch from the match that we saw in person on Dynamite a year about a year ago in October of 2019, the second ever episode of Dynamite. Young Bucks obviously went over. The whole Young Bucks build has just been bizarre. I mean, they were like heels, they were dickheads, and now they're like supposed to be sympathetic babyfaces. They never explained why they were acting like assholes to begin with. Never apologized to Tony Schiavone. This is a really weird booking thing with the Young Bucks. Apparently, Matt Jackson, I don't know if you saw this, dude, but is, like, legitimately injured. Like, he has an actual ACL or an MCL or a both um, tear, injury, whatever. So, I guess the ankle injury they're doing right now is supposed to be, like, a legit thing. I don't know why you'd be wrestling. I guess they don't want to delay the match any further. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why the fuck you put the belts on him if he was injured, so... It's a really weird thing. 
Um, but I thought it was a good show, though. Did this show make you any more excited for Saturday's Full Gear event, dude, than it was, than you were kind of going into Dynamite? Um, not particularly, at least for me. I mean, I think the show should be pretty good. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it has a couple of matches I'm looking forward to, but some of the card I just really could care less about. So, for the matches I care about, I guess it did a little bit for me, but besides that, not particularly. Yeah, it, it did for me. I thoroughly enjoyed the show, and I thought it made me more excited for Full Gear on paper, which has a lot of potential. So we'll break down the card here, starting with the buy-in. Serena Deeb defending the NWA World Women's Championship against newcomer, who I don't believe is signed yet, but former NWA World Women's Champion in her own right, uh, Allison K, the former Sienna from Impact, and she was also in the Mae Young Classic in WWE about two years ago. So she's kind of been all over the place. Um, I've never really been her biggest fan. I think she's good. I don't think she's great at all. Um, I haven't seen many great matches from her, but listen, they need all the names they can get right now in, in the AEW women's division. So it, it feels like they've done a better job of presenting this championship than they have their own women's title. No, I completely agree here. Um, don't know Allison K too much. I think Serena Deep wins here. She just won that from that belt from Rosa. But yeah, that's another complaint. I feel like people just haven't really, I mean, they just don't really complain about that stuff, but the fact that they've been promoting the NWA Women's Championship more than their own championship is extremely mind-boggling. I don't know what the, what that really means. I mean, it's not like she is not around. She can't be there. She's there every week, but it seems like she's a complete afterthought. That division's a fucking joke. Um, Serena Deeb, I think she'll win here, but I think the bigger problem is that they just have neglected their own ta- women's division so badly that no one cares at this point. Yeah, the division is desolate, and I think bringing in more women is going to help, and hopefully Kay is one of them. Um, but the match should be good, though. I'm, I'm glad it's on the show. I just don't know. I don't know. I, it's just... It's a tough thing, because I would have been fine with this like on Dynamite. I think it's great as part of the pay-per-view. My issue isn't with this being on the buy-in so much as Orange Cassidy and John Silver, the next match we're going to get to, John Forrest Silver, that is, is on the main card, which it absolutely should not be. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad match. Orange Cassidy is very talented, as is John Silver. And I've actually really enjoyed John Silver on being the elite. I think he's one of the best parts of the show. The problem is that, as a character on Dynamite, the guy's a fucking loser. So, like, maybe this is their way of starting to build him up. But, like, there's a big disconnect, I feel like, with this company. I feel like they think everyone watches being the elite, but they don't. So, uh, it's it's a weird thing. I feel like Being the Elite is a completely separate show from what we see on Dynamite. Just because he's funny and he makes me laugh on, on Mondays on Being the Elite doesn't mean I'm going to take him seriously on Wednesdays on Dynamite. That's exactly the case here. Plus, the build for this match has been completely non-existent. They attempted to cost Orange Cassidy the TNT title for what reason? I don't fucking know. And now he's facing him at the pay-per-view? I just, I don't care. No, I completely agree. I, I, I don't watch Being the Elite as... As it used to, I think, since the AEW started, the show's just kind of been eh. But no, I guess after you beat Chris Jericho, you just go on to face job comedy Dark Order guys. So we'll see. What, I think Orange Cassidy obviously wins here. John Silver, I mean, doesn't do anything for me. I guess he's funny on being the elite. I, I just don't give a shit. So I guess Orange, I would say Orange Cassidy wins here, but it's a pretty fall. It's a pretty steep fall from going against Jericho three times in a row to face this fucking loser. Yeah, exactly. Now back to the women's division real quick. We are getting a rematch from the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Um, this time with the roles reversed, or Kurashita defending the NW, or the NWA, the AEW World uh, Women's Championship against the former champion Nyla Rose. Now you talk about non-existent build. Nyla Rose has been gone from the show for months. She's appeared maybe once or twice since she dropped the championship. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a personal thing or what, but like, she's not even on the show anymore. And then because she's been the number one contender for 24 weeks. Why the fuck they waited four months, five or six months to give her a title shot? I have no idea. That's completely ridiculous. And I'm not, and then the match is going to be good. Their first match of the pay-per-view, a double or nothing, was really good. This is just... I, I don't... They clearly have no idea what they're doing with this women's division. I think it'd be a step backward if they put the belt back on Nyla Rose anytime soon. No, this... <laughs> This women's division's a joke. I, I just I like Sheeta a lot, but besides they just haven't built anyone up. I honestly forgot that Nyla Rose was managed by Vicky Guerrero until I saw her last night. I honestly totally forgot because they might have been on dark, but I mean I, I haven't seen them on TV in a while, so I totally forgot she was with Vicky Guerrero until I saw her last night. But 
they had a good match, like you said, a double or nothing, but I just they've had zero build. She's been no more contender for six months and hasn't got a title match. It's just fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. I, I Sheeta should win here. Um, I just I guess I would probably do her and Britt Baker next, but yep, definitely. Yeah. But yeah. It probably should be the match for the show. I mean, I guess the rush would have been the build would have been a little rush just because Britt Baker was just brought back, but no more rush than this rivalry has been. So maybe they're saving that for the next show. I don't know, but that's the match I'm really looking forward to because their first match on Dynamite earlier this year before Sheeta or um, Britt Baker got hurt was great. They really worked well together. It was probably one of the best women's matches they've ever had, and definitely Britt Baker's best match to date. So I'm looking forward to that rivalry being rekindled at some point. Now, I will say off the bat, there's a lot less matches on the show that I don't care about compared to All Out. I felt like we spent three-fourths of the All Out preview talking about matches that either made no sense or that we gave no fucks about at all. Um, I will say, at least for me personally, maybe not for you, Mr. Marceau, that I think there's a lot of matches on this card that could steal the show that have the potential to be really, really good. And then I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it, um, including the Matt Hardy-Sammy Guevara match, the Elite Deletion match, which is what they should have done it all out to begin with, but we're finally getting it here. Um, the Hardy compound match, I believe, is what it's going to be. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but the match I've been looking forward to seeing practically since Hardy arrived in the company. Guevara's a good person for the spot. It could be very, it should be very entertaining. My question is, Guevara's got to win on pay-per-view. The guy's never won on pay-per-view, I don't think. He always loses whenever it matters most. Does he win in the cinematic setting? What, what do you do here? It's just, I like Sammy Guevara a lot. I think he came in as one of those young up-and-comers up that he thought they would push. Then they put him with the inner circle, like, okay, they're going to give him a run, and then he's just been a fucking loser since. This whole Matt Hardy feud, it just, it's been a nightmare since it started. I mean, there's been so many things going on. Um, the all-out match was a nightmare. Sammy chucking the chair at Matt Hardy and making him bleed out on the TV was terrible. I mean, I... I it's one of those things like I think Matt will win because it's like his match but I think Sammy should win I think he needs to, he needs some fucking momentum the guy's got like negative momentum he hasn't won anything important since since basically joined the inner circle I couldn't tell you last time he won a match that fucking mattered so I, I would have Sammy win here give him some momentum beat a fucking 20 year veteran in his own match give him a, his some kind of run as a single He's, I think he could be a big breakout star for them, but I fear that Matt will win here. I think he will, and it doesn't hurt Sammy too much just because it is in a, it's in a cinematic setting. I have no issue with Sammy losing. I just think, the, I mean, I guess I do, but the problem is that he should be winning right now. I mean, I feel like if they just did this at the All Out show, it would have been better. What, what they should have done, dude, was have the match at All Out and then have Sammy win that. But not do the stipulation where if oh, already loses, he's gone. That was so fucking pointless. It was a complete waste. They shouldn't have done it. They should have just had Guevara win a regular match there. Or do the t- do the tables match at the pay-per-view. Remember they rushed that in like five minutes a couple of months ago. The whole feud's been a mess. It's been cursed since the get-go. Um, and then Savara, remember Guevara, they were going to do the feud a couple of months ago. And then Guevara got himself suspended. Or, you know, he left for a couple of months or a couple of weeks because of the whole Sasha Banks thing. So the feud has been cursed. Um, hopefully, you know, this will be it. I think it will be. I think Hardy's going to win, but if Guevara wins, even better. Chris Jericho, MGF, if MGF wins this match, he is allowed to join the inner circle. Now, I'm going to stick with what I told you last week, and again, this is not a bold prediction. I've seen other people say this, that MGF will win. He should win. Both of these guys need wins right now. Both of these guys need wins. Um, I think MGF has more to gain than Jericho does by winning this match. And then the MJF says, you know what, I'm all set. I don't need to join the inner circle. Maybe he becomes the new leader. I don't even think that's a good idea. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I'm more... MJF wins and then goes off and does his own thing. I know your question was, what was the point of that if they do do that? I, I don't know. It just gives MJF a win and it shows that he's superior to the group and that he doesn't need them. And maybe he has his own group brewing in the background. I don't know. But either way, I think this, I think this match ends in a victory for MJF. Yeah, MJF should win here. Um... It's not even the fact that if you, like, the whole point is if he wins, he, he isn't allowed to join the group. It's just, okay, so then if he beats Jericho, then what do they do with him from there? If he doesn't join the group, is my kind Because it seems like Moxley and and Omega seems like that's kind of the direction they're going in. Cody's still that champion. What's he going to face Darby Allen for the TNT championship if he wins? I mean, that would be kind of silly. So 
It's still even if he wins, I still think he's in a in back in the the same kind of pattern of just kind of be a loss in the shuffle. So I think MGF will win. I just they need to fucking book this guy better. I just it's starting to get to a point. Not that I don't care. It's just like I want like he's a big deal. Fucking make him feel like he is. It just it just seems like another random guy in the roster at this point. Mm-hmm. Now we get to Cody Darby Allen for the AW TNT title. They've always had great chemistry. I think Darby Allen should be the one to ultimately take that belt from Cody. I just don't think it happens here. I think Cody's going to retain, as he should. Maybe shows more heel tendencies. Maybe he cheats to win. I don't know. Maybe T- Team Taz cost uh, Darby the victory. Not sure what they're going to do here. But I think Cody holds on to the belt for a little longer. He just regained it like a month ago. Yeah, I, I, I think Cody's going to win here as well. I think Darby should win. I, I, he's had great chemistry with Cody. He's never beaten him. Um, but it seems like they still haven't tied up those loose Team Taz, those Team Taz uh, ties yet. So I, I would see them coming in and interfering to help Cody win, uh, or Cody could cheat the win here. But I think Cody's the one that wins here, unfortunately. I could see a scenario where they do Cody and Darby coming out of this pay per view versus Team Taz, and then Team Taz wins, and it's because Cody maybe ditches Darby or turns on him outright. I'm not sure. But could you see a situation where, like, they extend the feud and that's where the turn kind of happens for Cody? Yeah, I, I completely agree. FTR Young Bucks with the AW World Tag Team titles. Already mentioned earlier, the build has not been butchered, but it's been botched in the sense that it doesn't feel as big as it should. For a match that's been in the works now for a long time, the first few months I thought were well done when they brought in FTR. They didn't rush the match. I'm glad, but... I don't know. I just feel like the last couple of weeks, but FDR have played their roles great. It's more so the Young Bucks with the whole, like, oh, we're angry. Oh, we're assholes. Oh, we're sympathetic now. It's been so inconsistent, it's hard to care. And the stipulation that if they lose here, they can never again go for the tag titles is incredibly dumb. Not only because you know they're not going to lose now, but also because we just saw it a year ago at Full Gear 2019. I just feel like this whole ma- this whole match is a mess. Yeah, from what, from what it was booked, like, the anticipation of them coming to AEW to the match now it just it's lost a ton of steam um the st- stipulation's so dumb like if we lose we can't contend for the belts it's the same thing Cody did last year so what are they going to do like form a, a six-man tag division and have three like a trios division like please stop I mean <laughs> I, I think I think FTR should win here I, I don't know um I think FTR should win here I mean, they just beat Omega and Page had the belts for like a year. You're gonna have them lose their like lose the next pay per view. I think that would be completely stupid. I'm gonna say FTR wins. I guess I'll say FTR wins. The whole book of the Young Bucks has sucked though. Like they were they were baby faces, then they're heels. Like they were whiny little bitchy heels. Now they're baby faces again, or supposed to be. Like I just could care less. I I just I'm, I'm going with FTR here. I wouldn't be surprised if Young Bucks won, but I, I think FTR should win. Yeah, I think Young Bucks are winning. I mean, if, if FTR wins, what do you think they do to get out of the stipulation that they can no longer go for the titles? Like I said, they'll just like form their own stupid belts, like some trios division or some stupidness. What, you don't want TNT tag team titles? No, thank you, please. <laughs> Dark tag team titles? No, please. please bring no. over the N- Maybe they bring over the NWA tag-, tag team titles. You can't do another set of tag team titles, please. The, the ones they have now are like... Just stick with what you have now. Now I need more tag team titles. NWA tag team titles coming. Have them win those. <sighs> Stop, please. <yes> <laughs> we get to our final two matches here. In the finals of the World Title Eliminator, Hangman Adam Page taking on Kenny Omega. Winner earns a future title shot for the AEW World Championship against whoever the champion is coming out of this show. Hangman Adam Page, Omega. I mean, it's got to be Omega. I mean, I think there's a scenario where you could have Page win. Omega turns on him afterward. They're clearly headed towards Omega as a heel, which is the right role for him at this point. And I've loved him throughout this tournament. Um, Hangman, too. But Hangman's got to lose. And it's got to be because Omega... Maybe he beats him clean, and then he's like, oh, good job, Sport, and then he turns on him anyway at some point. It's got to be Omega. I think Omega's the guy to take the belt off of John Moxley. I want to be Paige, but I think Mox... Uh, I think I think it's Omega here, unfortunately. Um, I just think that's the direction they're going with. I mean, I'm a big uh, Hangman fan. I just... I think... I think the story itself, I feel like it's going to be Omega and Mox. I don't want it to be that way. I think Hangman. Uh, I'll say Omega. I'm just not the biggest Omega fan, so I just I don't really want to see him with the with the title belt. So I guess Omega here, but I don't know. It's just 
Uh, I'll go with Omega, unfortunately. <laughs> well, what if Omega wins the belt and then Paige is the one to take the belt from him? You don't want to see that? Yeah, just... I, I mean that would be cool and all. I just I just went, I just feel like it's just like when's that gonna happen? Yeah, you don't want to like wait another Hangman, six months. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like Hangman <laughs> built up a few times to like contend for the belt, and then he just he's like, just, just no. Like this is like his second chance. Like he faced Jericho. This is like his another chance again, and then he's just gonna lose again. I mean, yeah. Ugh, I don't know. I guess I'll go with Omega, but I don't want him to win. Yeah, no, I understand that. But yeah, Omega's probably going to win, so we're going to go with that. Um, in the main event, we got John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, I quit match with the AW World Championship. I mean, again, the build has been good. I think the promo on, on Wednesday was great, but there's no, absolutely no, you know, reason to think that Kingston's going to win here. I mean, it's obviously a Moxley victory, right? Oh, Moxley win LL. Yeah, it's got to be. But I think the match is going to be good. Do you think Eddie Kingston is destined for the main event scene beyond this feud, or is this it for him? I think this is it for him. I like Eddie Kingston. I think I think he's good. I just I just don't think he's world championship material at this point. I, just, I think there's plenty of other guys they should put the belt on besides him. I think he's great and all, but I think he's better. He's good as a wrestler, but I do like him as a managerial. I think he's great, great mm-hmm. promo. So Completely I would definitely agree. keep him around, but champion, no, no, thank you. Yeah, no, I agree. I like Kingston. I just don't think he's world title material at least at this point in his career. I think he's better in the managerial role. Completely agree with you there. Um, but yeah, a quick match should be fun, and hopefully it's not, you know, um, the, you know, I, I liked last year's unsanctioned lights out match, but it was a little polarizing for some people. Hopefully this is a little better. You know, someone's going to bleed. It should be a good match. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, overall, I think the show is going to be great. Um, those top four or five matches really have potential. I really do. And the undercard isn't terrible either. Cassidy and Silver does nothing for me, but like, you know. Jericho, MJF, Cody, Darby, FTR, FTR, Bucks, you know, despite the bad build, um, Paige and Omega and Moxley and Kingston should all be very, very good. So super looking forward to the show. Should be a lot of fun. Full gear on Saturday night. We will be back next week here on the show to uh, break it down in its entirety. Are you going to be watching the show live on Saturday, RJ, or no? Uh, I'm not sure yet. We'll see what happens. We'll see. All right. All right. Sounds good. So we'll be back here on the show next week to break down everything that goes down on Saturday night. Until then, you guys can check out new episode of uh, new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. You can find Mr. Marceau on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau and myself at WrestleRant. Any closing thoughts, Mr. Marceau, as we ride off into the sunset here? Um, I got nothing for you, GSM, unfortunately. You got the big birthday coming up in a couple weeks. I know, seriously, don't remind me. Got the big birthday coming up. You're going to rewatch Survivor Series 03 maybe, huh? Easily. That's a, that's a, that's a yearly tradition there. <laughs> For me, it's, it's Survivor Series 02 and then reenacting the Survivor Series 02 Saliva Always video package for the main event. Oh, that's so good. It's I'm going to have money. to watch now when I got the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's money. All right, Mr. Marceau, take, uh, take care and have a great one. I'll talk to you next week. See you later. All right, see you, brother.